Today's teaching comes from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. True story reported in Washington about six years ago. 22-year-old man, Wesley French, and a few of his buddies were being chased by police for beating two men during a car robbery. They fled the scene, or they fled running away from police in a, in a green Nissan 240SX. And they figured out what they thought was a foolproof plan of getting away from the police. They spray-painted the car black. And because they did that, they were able to... Uh, stay away from the police, run from the police for about five hours, but they forgot one very important piece of making it a foolproof plan, uh, and that is changing out the license plate, which they did not do. And so in Washington, outside of a high school, five hours later, uh, the police found them by the license plate and arrested them and took them in. Now, that's a laughable story, that is a somewhat ridiculous story. And yet, is it any less ridiculous than the spray paint techniques that we sometimes employ into bringing change into our lives or to transforming our lives? Paul opens chapter three of Galatians, shocked at the spray paint techniques that the Galatians are using to try to bring about change and transformation in their lives. In fact, he says in verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Okay, that, that word bewitched means to cast a spell over. It means to, to put a trance on someone. In other words, their behavior is so strange to Paul that he can only conclude that there, there's some sort of trance over them. And in rebuking them, he answers a very simple, but a very critical question. And that is, how do people really change? Not how do people spray paint and look different, but how do people really change? And we're going to see it's by the agent of change, through the instrument of change, 
than by the foundation of change. So first, who is the agent of change? Who produces change? Who causes change in your life? Look at verse three. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul is addressing, at least hypothetically, two possible agents of change. One is the Spirit, and one is the flesh. He's saying to the Galatians, he's saying, listen, you begun by the Holy Spirit as the agent of change, but now you have turned to the flesh as the agent of change. Now, what is flesh? Well, flesh is simply human nature in its sinful weakness removed from any power of the Holy Spirit. It's basically flesh is you by yourself, left to yourself, apart from any intervening power of God. That that's what flesh is. And notice how Paul contrasts the flesh, which is just simply put, uh, rugged independence, self-effort, human effort, apart from any intervening power of God. Look how Paul contrasts the flesh with the spirit. Verse four, he says, did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? That word suffer um, can also be translated experience. He's saying, did you experience so many things in vain? Now, what are the things they experienced? Well, look at verse five. Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you that when Paul first went to this region of Galatia preaching the gospel, that the gospel penetrated this, this community, this region, and the Holy Spirit was doing miraculous work among these people. Healings, lives being changed, people coming to Christ. And Paul's point is, you began there. You saw things happen that you could never attribute to human effort. You saw things happen that you could never take credit for. It was very clear at the beginning, this was a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Not human effort. He says, you began by the Spirit. I remember back in Austin, Texas, when the gospel of Jesus Christ finally clicked for me. I had been hearing it. I was in grad school. I had been hearing it. I had started to understand it somewhat, but then I remember that moment in my apartment, sitting in the den, on that futon that I could tell you in detail what it looked like. My roommates weren't there, who had played a significant influence on sharing the gospel with me, and I was listening to a song they had given to me about the grace of God and the love of God for sinners, and I put it on repeat, and I just sat there, and I wept. And I wept over my sin, and I wept over the grace of God that was poured out. And I can tell you in that moment, there was no part of me that said, wow, I worked really hard to get to this point. No, it was a moment, and it was a season in my life where it was very evident 
that God had worked by his Holy Spirit in me. Listen, I was a self-made man. I was a hardworking man. I was an independent operator up until that point. And everyone else, from their perspective, would say, Keith doesn't need anything. He's doing just fine. He's successful. He's, he doesn't need anything until the Holy Spirit came and broke me down and did what I could never do or what somebody else could never do. It was miraculous. This past week, I spoke at two campus outreach meetings. That's a college ministry that we partner with here at University of North Florida, Jacksonville University. And after one of them, I was talking to a young man. And he shared with me his story. A year ago, he was uh, somewhere between what he would say would be an atheist or an agnostic. Right? An atheist is someone who doesn't believe God exists. An agnostic is someone who believes there a God. There's a God, but he's not really personable or knowable. And he stood there before me with a huge smile on his face and with joy and said, but today I trust Jesus Christ. I'm following Christ. Now, he didn't work hard to get to this point. The Holy Spirit did a miraculous work to change his heart. He began by the Spirit, and he would never say, no, I didn't begin by the Spirit. I really just did a lot of research and figured this out. No, it was a work of the Spirit. Paul says, you've begun by the power of the Spirit. Now you're trying to live the Christian life by the power of the flesh. The power of the Spirit versus the powerlessness of the flesh. I want you to imagine that you're on your, the back of your house. You're building a deck. You're building a wooden deck, and you get this deck framed out, and you're ready to lay the, the boards on top with screws. So you pull out your DeWalt power drill, and, and you start going at it, and you're laying the deck, and screws are going in fast, and you get about halfway through the deck, and it gets to be lunchtime, and you say, I'm gonna take a break. So you go grab lunch, and you come back, and you proceed to do the last half of the deck with a screwdriver in your hand. Your DeWalt power drill is just fine, it's not broken, but you proceed with a screwdriver in hand. Took you three hours to do the first half of the deck. Four days later, and a bunch of bloody blisters later, you end up finishing the deck with this screwdriver. Now you say, that's a great hypothetical illustration and situation that would never happen because it's so foolish. Now you have a picture of what Paul's addressing with the Galatians. When he says, oh foolish Galatians. You began by the Spirit. And now you've turned to this, and this is where the illustration breaks down. Uh, the, the flesh is not less powerful than the spirit. You know, as a, a screwdriver in hand is less powerful than a power drill. No, the flesh is powerless. It has no power to change you. Only the spirit of God can change you. Now, where the illustration is powerful is it highlights the foolishness and the futility of thinking that we have power in, uh, in and of ourselves to bring about change that only the Holy Spirit can do. We are changed by the sheer power of the Holy Spirit. But now what is the role of the Spirit? That's the power of the Spirit to bring change, but what is the role or the purpose of the Spirit? Look at verse three again. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh. 
That word perfected means to finish or complete. So it's having begun by the Spirit. Are you finishing? By the flesh. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. The two verbs in Philippians 1.6, begun and bring it to completion, are the exact same verbs in Galatians 3.3. They get translated began and, and being perfected. Same exact verbs. What's the message? That the Holy Spirit's job or purpose is to finish what he began in you. That that's what the Spirit does. And the shocking problem in Galatia was that they were trying to finish the work that Christ had begun in his Spirit. It is no less miraculous for the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin and turn you from an idol to Christ 10 years after you first came to Christ than it is for the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin and turn you from idolatry to Christ at the moment of conversion. So if you've been in Christ for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years or even five years, the Holy Spirit's doing the same work that he did in the very beginning at the moment you maybe first placed your trust in Christ. It's the same miraculous work of the Spirit. It took Michelangelo four years to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Now I want you to imagine two years in, with half of the ceiling painted, that an engineer with zero artistic skills finish the painting. And so you have half of the Sistine Chapel looking beautiful and glorious, and the other half, ugly stick figures on the ceiling. It's laughable, right? You said, of course not. But that's what we do. The Spirit begins the work miraculously. The Spirit continues the work miraculously. And the Spirit finishes the work miraculously. So how do people change? First, by the agency of the Holy Spirit. Second, through the instrument of change. Look at verse two. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Again in verse five. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Works of the law contrasted with hearing with faith. Two times they're contrasted in verses two and verses five. What Paul is describing here is the instrument of change. And what do I mean by that when I say instrument? Well, the question is, if the Holy Spirit is the one who produces change in you, if the Holy Spirit is the one that starts and finishes the work, then how is that power of the Holy Spirit activated in your life? Or another way to put it, how is the work of the Spirit carried into your life? 
If you're looking through a telescope at a, a far-off star that's invisible to the naked eye, and you look through that telescope, and it brings this invisible star, it makes it visible to your eye, right? The telescope is the instrument that carries or brings this star into view. What is the instrument that brings the work of the Spirit, carries the work of the Spirit into your life? And what Paul's saying here, is it, is it what you do works, or is it what you believe? Faith. And he's addressing the Galatians who have gotten to the point, functionally, of believing that what they did was the instrument that carried the Holy Spirit into their life. They had, you know, the Judaizers had come to town, were stirring things up, were telling the Galatians, hey, you need to get circumcised. We've been through this. You need to get circumcised to get saved, to receive the Holy Spirit. And so they were functionally believing that we have to do certain things, works, works of the law, right, for the power of the Holy Spirit to be carried into our lives. Paul gives a biblical example of this is not how it works. Paul says, no, it's, it's by hearing with faith. It's by faith. It's by belief that the work of the Spirit is activated or is carried into your life. And he gives the example in verse 6 of Abraham. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Right? Abraham was justified, counted righteous, by what he believed. The law hadn't even come to Moses on Mount Sinai yet when that, when that promise of God was announced to Abraham. Abraham hadn't even been circumcised yet. He hadn't even heard about circumcision. He simply believed the promise that God spoke to him. And righteousness was counted to him. He was justified by faith. And what we see in this passage is justification and the gift of the Spirit are two sides of the same coin, right? It's the Holy Spirit that convinces you of your sin and points you to the work Christ has done for you, which is to take your sin on the cross and give you his perfect righteousness. That's justification, right? Two sides of the same coin. The gift of the Spirit comes through belief, not what you do. Now, let me try to show you how easy it is to functionally fall into the same trap that the Galatians fell into. It would look something like this. I have not read my Bible in days, maybe weeks, and therefore, that's why God is not working on my behalf. That's why this situation is not changing. Or, I'm not praying consistently and that's why things aren't changing. Because I'm not praying consistently, God is not working in my life through his spirit. Or let me flip it around. I read my Bible every day this week. I prayed fervently every night before I went to bed. I went to my discipleship group, my D group, my community group, my Bible study. I went to church. I even worked really hard at resisting that sin that tends to, to get hold of me. I did all of that, and I've had an awful week. God's not answering my prayers, and God's not moving in my life. You see, suddenly there, it's functionally at a heart level, it's 
God will move in my life. The Spirit will work when I do certain things. And what Paul is saying is, no. The work of the Spirit is carried into your life not by what you do, but by what you believe. Faith. Now, why? Why is faith and not works the instrument of change? Why is faith and not works the instrument of true and real change in your life? Well, I want you to notice that phrase in verses two and five that gets repeated. It's the phrase hearing with faith. The word hearing, it means to, to listen carefully. It means to absorb the content. It means to take in. Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. The reason that, that faith and not works is the instrument of change is because change does not come from within. Change comes from the outside. And when we use the works of the law, things we do to try to activate change, at the end of the day, that is manipulation of God. It's the manipulation of the Spirit. It's saying that I am in control of change in my life by what I do. That's another religious version of change coming from within. But change comes from the outside. Change comes from the Holy Spirit. Hearing with faith is simply receiving something outside of you, right? The Word of Christ that has the power to change you. Let me try to sum this up by saying it this way. You're not changed by what you do for Christ. You're changed by what you hear from Christ. You're changed by what you hear from Christ. That's why hearing with faith is the instrument of change. Years ago, this was before the days of Christ Church East, I preached a sermon in a church, and I can't even remember what the content was. But I remember being shocked at how somebody responded to it. I preached it on a Sunday morning, and on Monday morning I got word that a married man had come that previous day on Sunday to one of the other pastors of the church and confessed an adulterous relationship with another woman. This was a family that was well put together. This was a family that was, had two young children. They were kind of a model family. You'd see them on Sunday and go, they, they just have it all figured out, they have it all together. They attended regularly. And I remember when I, when I heard it on Monday morning, I remember being shocked for two reasons. Number one, I never would have suspected it by what I knew and saw from the outside. But number two is I didn't preach on adultery. I didn't preach on sexual sin, which if I would have, I could have said, well, I talked directly to it. That's why it happened. No, I don't even remember what I preached on. That was why it was so shocking. The word of Christ penetrated this man's heart and brought conviction and brought confession. And their marriage went on to heal, and, and, and it was beautiful. But the Holy Spirit is the one that brought change. Now, from a practical standpoint, that means this. 
that if you're going to change, you have to hear from Christ. If change is not produced by what you do, by what you, by, by what you hear, then you have to be hearing from Christ through the preaching of his word, which is happening right now, through the communal study of his word that can happen in any of your groups as you gather around the word together, through private reading of the word, right? That hearing with faith, that means hearing the word of Christ and believing it at a heart level is what's going to produce change, which will actually make you do things differently. But it's hearing with faith. If you participated in community Bible reading this past week, actually the past couple of weeks, we've been reading through Jeremiah. And there's this section in Jeremiah, okay, right in the, the, the middle of Jeremiah, what we've been in, where God is, is, is repeatedly calling out the Israelites for not listening. And it's fascinating because they're, they're, they're rebellious, they've got idolatry, they've got sin. And, and God does not attribute their rebellion, their idolatry, and their sin to them not trying hard enough. That's not the reason he gives. You're just not trying hard enough. Come on, pick it up. Quit doing that. No, he attributes their sin and idolatry to them not listening, to not hearing with faith. Which again, we're back to, why does he address that? Because change happens through the instrument of change, which is faith, and hearing with faith. So how do people change? By the agency of the Holy Spirit, through the instrument of faith that comes by hearing, and finally, the foundation of change. Look at verse one. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is where Paul opens his entire rebuke of them at, that Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. That word portrayed, it's a word used in advertising. The Greeks would use it to talk about a sign that was posted, right, to announce a property that was for sale. It was a, that kind of word. What Paul is saying is this. Christ, through, through Paul's preaching when he went to Galatia, that through, Christ's pre, or through Paul's preaching of Christ in Galatia, that by the time he had finished preaching, it was as if they had seen Jesus Christ crucified, as if they had experienced his crucifixion, as if they had seen this, this living Christ nailed to the cross, as they heard, here we are again, as they heard the preaching of God's word through Paul, it became a living, vivid reality, publicly portrayed. That's what that means. And that word crucified is in the perfect verb tense. That means it's a past event that has significant ongoing implications in the present, meaning that you never get away from the cross. You never graduate from the cross. You never say, yeah, well, that, listen, that got me in the door. That got me in the kingdom. That's how I was saved. But I've moved on, right? I've moved on to working really hard now. Paul's saying you never get beyond the cross because your justification, your being counted righteous was accomplished at the cross when Jesus took your sin and by his resurrection gave you his perfect righteousness, his perfect life. Verse eight in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that justification is not just the way in. 
that justification, being counted righteous, that one-time act that God does is a past event that has implications that continue. It's the ongoing power by which you're changed. It's the ongoing power of transformation. Peter says it this way in 2 Peter 1.9. For whoever lacks these qualities, and he has just finished listing off a bunch of qualities, godliness, self-control, love, and many more. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. What's the message here? That if you see sinful patterns overtaking your life, or if you see idolatry taking over your life, Peter says it's the, end, the, the reason is not because you're not working hard enough, or you're not trying hard enough. Peter says the answer is you've forgotten your justification. You've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your sin, that you have the perfect righteousness of Christ. Again, change doesn't come through hard work. It comes through hearing with faith. It comes through hearing the cross proclaim its message over you every day. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians says, I resolved to preach nothing but Christ crucified. Why? Because that's the message and the proclamation through which change comes when you hear it and you combine it with believing it. Because the message of the cross, Jesus hanging on the cross is, you are loved. You are loved deeply and you are forgiven. And that's the message when you hear that over and over that actually changes you, that actually transforms you from the inside out. And this is confirmed by the blessing described at the end of verse 8 and verse 9. It says, The gospel was preached to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. The blessing that we receive is the same blessing that Abraham received. And that blessing is justification. That blessing is being counted righteous in God's sight. And it's this justification, it's for Abraham, this being counted as righteous, which was what continued to produce change and transformation in his life. You understand, when, when Abraham was called by God, he didn't know who God was. He didn't know who God was. He was a pagan. And God called him. And when he called him, he, he, he announced promises that were really hard to believe to Abraham. He said, Abraham, in Genesis 12, he said, you're gonna, you're gonna leave your land. You're gonna leave your homeland. I'm calling you to leave this place and I'm gonna bring you to a land that will be flowing with blessing. An unknown land. Abraham couldn't see. And then he said to Abraham, hey, and Abraham, you're gonna have descendants that are more numerous than the stars. And that primary descendant being the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Abraham and Sarah had no children. He was approaching 100 years old, and Sarah was post-menopausal. Couldn't be anything less likely happening, right? But Abraham believed. He believed God's promise. And it was this belief, this faith, hearing it, combining it with faith and believing it, that produced change, and he went. Hebrews 11 talks about it. Abraham's in the, what we would call the hall of faith. 
Abraham didn't change because he did things. Abraham changed because he heard the word of God and he believed it. And simply by hearing it and believing it, it began to change him. And a life of obedience followed that. But it was again back to the instrument of change, the instrument of faith that brings about change. And all of that founded on this beautiful blessing of justification, of you being declared righteous in God's sight by faith, not by works. And that that truth, when you let that pour over you every day, it's the message of the cross and the resurrection, that that changes you. Right? So how do people change? I'll go back to my opening illustration, right? The, those cats that stole the car and spray painted it black and thought they were in good shape, right? Well, that car didn't change. Still had a license plate. <laughs> and for that reason, they got apprehended. God wants to do a work of change in you that's not spray paint. He wants to do a work in, of change in you that's not just superficial. He is doing a work in you if you're in Christ that is much deeper than superficial. And that change comes through the agent of change, which is the Holy Spirit. Start, continue, and finish. It's the work of the Spirit. And it comes through the instrument of faith, not works. It's not what you do that gets the Spirit to, to, to change your life. It's simply by hearing the Word of Christ. Hearing it. Every day, hearing it. And believing it. That produces change. And then when sin is just racking your life and idolatry is racking your life, the message of the cross is that that sin and that idolatry has been cleansed and removed and you've been given the perfect righteousness of Christ and you let that message pour over your heart every day. That's what produces change. Let's pray. Father, Would you forgive us for beginning with the Spirit but reverting to working really hard in the flesh? Would you forgive us for just asserting our rugged independence and our, our, our hard work? And if we're honest, it has left us joyless. It has left us fatigued and weary Father, would you remind us this morning that change comes by the Holy Spirit and that change comes by hearing with faith, not doing. That we're changed by hearing your word and hearing the beautiful news of your gospel that our sin has been taken from us and that the righteousness of your son, Jesus Christ, has been imputed or counted or credited to us. Oh, Father, this week, would you, by your Holy Spirit, draw us to the place of listening, of hearing you speak your promises over us, that we would be changed, really changed, deeply changed, we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.